Now let's now look at the next few chapters to see how pagan Rome became the center of influence at this time of history. We saw in the previous episode that the city of Jerusalem fell to Rome uh, under the leadership of Pompey. The Roman army went on a rampage and that would control now the destiny of Judea for the next two centuries. Let's now start with Daniel 11 verse 17 and I quote, He shall also set his face to enter the strength of his whole kingdom and upright ones with him thus shall he do. Here when Pom- when Ptolemy the 11th now, the king of the south, died, he placed his two children, Cleopatra the 7th and Ptolemy the 7th under the guardianship of Rome. Now being under the guardianship of Rome, if ever there was a dispute, Rome is then asked to mediate and there was a dispute between the two children, Cleopatra the Seventh and Ptolemy the Twelfth. And of course, Pompey, being the leader of the army, was called to settle a dispute between these two. The dispute, obviously, was who was going to rule Egypt. And as Pompey was crossing the River Nile, Cleopatra promptly had Pompey killed. And of course, since Rome was the guardian, Julius Caesar stepped in to fill Pompey's position. You can see that in verse 17, and I quote, And he shall give him the daughter of women to destroy it. Caesar became infatuated with Cleopatra, so he espoused her cause and made her his mistress. But this was not going to be for too long. This was short-lived. And I continue with the verse, it says, But she shall not stand or be with him. So the verse says, And he shall give him the daughter of the woman to to destroy it, but she shall not stand with him or destroy him. This is Daniel 17, 11.17. Cleopatra then turned her affection to Mark Anthony, Caesar's enemy, and exerted her influence against Rome. So you can see what the verse was trying to say, it says, she shall not stand with him or be with him. So Cleopatra in this instance was becoming a threat to Rome. Daniel verse 18 continues the story. And I read 18. It says, after this, he shall turn his face to the coastlines and shall take many but a ruler shall bring the reproach against them to an end, and with the reproach removed, he shall turn back on him. Now, what history has testified to this verse in Daniel was, now Caesar then left Egypt and made his way down the northern coast of Africa. See, this is where the coastlands that the Bible was talking about the northern cities of Africa, cities and islands in his path submitted to him, and he returned to Rome triumph, remaining its dictator for the rest of his life. But the prophecy in Daniel 18 also says, but a ruler shall bring the reproach against them to an end, and with the reproach removed, he shall turn back on him. Daniel 18 is just referring to Brutus, a close friend of Caesar, 
who turned his back on him, leading a movement to eliminate Caesar's dictatorship. Then verse 19 spells the end for Julius Caesar. I quote verse 19, Then he shall turn his face toward the fortress of his own land, but he shall stumble and fall and not be found. Unquote verse 19. Now everything seemed favorable on the ideas of the 15th day of the march as Julius Caesar shared his great plans for Rome in the presence of the Senate. At a given signal, his enemies grabbed their concealed weapons and, and, and stabbed Julius Caesar 23 times. Julius Caesar stumbled and he fell at the base of the statue of Pompeii. Now, in the meantime, Mark Antony should have succeeded Caesar, but of course he ran away with Cleopatra, both of whom later committed suicide. Now, Caesar left no legitimate heirs, but his nephew, Octavius Augustus, who had been appointed his heir, succeeded him. Now, the next episode starts to correlate what is mentioned in the New Testament. Verse 20 says, and I quote, There shall arise in his place one who imposes taxes on the glorious kingdom, but within a few days he shall be destroyed, but not in anger or in battle. Now, this taxation we're talking about on the glorious land was recorded in the New Testament. As was seen in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, and I quote, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that at all the world shall be registered. Now, Augustus' texts were light because they were universal. The inclusion of Israel in this decree is what brought Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. Now, Caesar Augustus ruled for 20, uh, 40 years and he firmly established here the Roman Empire. He died peacefully in his own bed. Notice in the verse it says, in verse 20, it says um, that he shall be destroyed, but not in anger or in battle. Augustus died peacefully. Then verse 21 changes the scene. It says, and in, I quote, and in his place, which is Augustus' place, shall rise a vile person to whom they will not give the honor of royalty, but he shall come in peace, peaceably and seize the kingdom by intrigue. Unquote. This is verse 21. Now what's happened here historically is Augustus had no son of his own, but his wife, Livia, urged him to appoint Tiberius, her son, by a previous marriage as his successor. Now, it was very clear that uh, Augustus refused because Tiberius was vile. He was too vile to be an emperor. Instead, Augustus appointed Agrippa to succeed him. But Agrippa died before he could even do so. And through the urging of his wife, Augustus finally relented and appointed Tiberius, a man so vile that the residents of the city of Rome rejoiced when he died. Now this was written clearly in verse 21 in Daniel chapter 11, verse 21. You see, 
Tiberius was not given the honour of a royalty. It's almost as if he's come to royalty not out of choice, but out of no choice. And as the verse says that he seized the kingdom by intrigue, not by natural honouring or natural progression, but by intrigue. And this was testified and shown by history. Now, it was during the reign of Tiberius that Jesus Christ, the Prince of the Covenant, was crucified just as it had been prophesied. And this was seen in Daniel chapter 1, verse 22, and I quote, With the force of a flood, they shall be swept away from before him and be broken, and also the Prince of Covenant, unquote. This Prince of Covenant that is mentioned in Daniel 11 verse 22 was none other than Jesus Christ himself. So up till this point, we have seen the kings of the north and the kings of the south change from one literal king to another. However, from now on, from Daniel verse 11 verse 22 on, the text centered more on the king of the north now being Rome and the king of the south being those who stood in opposition to Rome. And further on in verse 23 through to 29 are a summary of the exploits of pagan Rome and note that the identity of the kings do not change. Now, let's explore the growth of Rome. Rome, perhaps, were the first that used, if you like, the warfare of the intellect. The new idea. Rome posed a new idea. They became a defender of the weak, if you like. That up to this times, most nations gained new territory by force and by the power of the army. But Rome was smart. They gained support and they gained their influence and they gained the territory, however, by promising friendship and protection to anyone who appealed to it. Now, I suppose one could call this a seller of confidence. Whether Rome was able to protect or not is perhaps not the question here. But the question here is Rome was selling the idea of confidence. Let me protect you. Rome became a type of referee. And this indeed was a new idea. It, and Rome was, of course, as I mentioned just now, seen as a defender of the weak. And this was one of the primary ways it succeeded so broadly to expand its kingdom. But you see, Rome, Rome began, or pagan Rome began in Italy with a small number of people. Look at Daniel 11 verse 23 and I quote and after the leak is made with him he shall act deceitfully the word deceitfully for he shall come up and become strong with a small number of people unquote and in verse 24 I quote he shall enter peace peaceably even into the riches place of the province and he shall do what his fathers have not done nor his forefathers unquote this is 24 verse 24 up until now the nations gained new territory by force as i mentioned earlier 
However, the promising friendship and the promise of protection to everyone who appealed to it, Rome became well known. And verse 24 says, I quote, He shall disperse among them the plunder, spoil, and riches, and he shall devise his plans against the strongholds, but only for a time. Unquote. This is verse 24. Now he, uh, in this verse, is referring to Rome, of course, and Rome. History shows that Rome had shared the spoils from its conquest and with those who came under its protection. So that's a lot to gain if you're part of the protectorate of Rome. As pagan Rome's strength increased because of this, it sent out armies against those who stood against it. One of its first major conquests was Carthage, an ancient city north of Africa. In 146 BC, Rome's victory over Carthage changed the history and the course of history for the ancient civilization of the Mediterranean would now pass through the modern world via southern Europe instead of northern Africa. And next, pagan Rome brought Syria under its control, followed by Asia Minor and Palestine. Rome continued its conquest. Wherever it goes, he shares the spoils, he shares all the riches from his conquest. And this was seen in verse 24. Then in verse 25, it continued to say, He, Rome, shall stir up his power and his courage against the king of the south with a great army, and the king of the south shall be stirred up to a battle with a great, with a very great and mighty army. But he shall not stand, for they shall devise plans against him. Daniel 20, verse 11, 25. You see, history has testified this again. As Rome extended its territory, it decided to conquer the king of the south. In this instance now, Egypt. This prophecy was fulfilled in the conflict between Augustus, which was, uh, which was the king of the north, and Mark Antony, now the king of the south. Outwardly, these two brothers, brothers they were brothers-in-law, were in alliance with one another. But they hated or disliked each other. Augustus defeated Mark Antony at the Battle of Actium in 31 BC, and Mark Antony's allies, disgusted over his infatuation with, infatuation with Cleopatra, they all deserted him and joined Augustus. Mark Antony subsequently committed suicide. All this history was played out played out in a prophecy that was written in 1125, 26 and 27. And in verse 28 it says, While returning to his land with great riches, the result of all the plundering, Augustus triumphantly returned from Egypt with great richness. And 28 continues to say, His heart shall be moved against the holy covenant, so he shall do damage and return to his own land, unquote. Now, 28 refers to Rome sending an army under Titus to put down a revolt in Jerusalem, resulting in the burning of the temple to the ground and destroying the city. And all this happened in AD 70. Now, by this time, pagan Rome has taken up 
control over a large part of the Mediterranean. They brought with them technology, civilization, as is defined at that time, and pagan Rome made roads and waterways safe. They extending travel to many parts of the world or then world and making it possible for the gospel to spread rapidly. Roman soldiers marched down the roads carrying signs that stated Pax Romana, meaning Roman peace. Now, Rome had developed the places where they conquered. They brought their expertise, they brought their science, they brought their technology, and they brought growth to the regions that they occupied. But by the second century, however, Rome was growing old. It was slowly dwindling from its weight, from the vastness of the empire, and changes were starting to take place. Verse 29 says, At the appointed time he shall return and go towards the south, but it shall not be like the former or the later. Unquote. Now Constantine at this time moved the capital of the empire from Rome in Italy, in the west, to the east in Constantinople, which is today's Istanbul. And Rome lost its prestige. It's divided. The barbarian hordes from the north took this opportunity, started to attack, and pagan Rome Empire was broken up. This was seen at the end of chapter 20, uh, chapter 11, verse 29. So here we are. Let's stop here. And in the next episode, we will see the final division and the fall of pagan Rome and we will then introduce the growth of Papal Rome. So until next time, we see each other again. God bless.